I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Gabby Rosen Podcast! Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Nick Mohammed is my guest this week, most recently known and loved for his Emmy-nominated role of Nathan in the multi-award-winning Ted Lasso and Joseph in Intelligence with David Schwimmer. He talks about filming with John Hamm and Tina Fey. We chat about his character, Mr. Swallow, how he started out in the industry, his love of magic and his brilliant books about magic, and most importantly, his family. Nick is such a great guy with the best sense of humour and another of those rare people who have that wonderful twinkle in their eyes. I do hope you enjoy listening. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Hello. Hey, Gabby. How are you? I'm really well. And you know what I've just been doing? And I just thought I have to share it with you. Yes. (laughs) I've been (laughs) hanging. It's really so showbiz lives that we really lead. Hey, uh, yeah. I was hanging up my washing, listening to Mr. Swallow singing uh, Jurassic Park and Phantom of the Opera. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I mean, I can only apologize for that. Please don't, because your Jurassic Park... Well, not yours, Mr. Swallow, of course, because Mr. Swallow is your ventriloquist dummy, I suppose, in many ways. Um, Yeah. Mr. Swallow singing is a... Please, will you sing for... Will will Mr. Swallow just sing for me to start this podcast off, please? Because it will just make my day. Okay, hang on. I mean, mean, it's not too early. It's half ten, so that's fine. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, what's that? I mean, that's all I'm probably going to be able to manage at this point without dis- disturbing my neighbour. <laughs> I mean, also, huge credit to John Williams. I mean, I feel like I get a lot of kind of attention off the back of this, but I very much stole his tune and had just put some some very piddly little words to it. And I feel like I, I, I kind of reap, reap some kind of benefit. But um, hats off to the genius that is John Williams, of course. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny is that and everybody will know Mr. Swallow and love Mr. Swallow, but people who are tuning in because they're a huge, huge fans of Ted Lasso will think, 
Oh, what the think that, hell? Oh, I mean, I've 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 just started doing a few kind of live gigs again, and I did one before Christmas, and um, it, yeah, it was it was a kind of strange old thing because it was the first time that I I I'd said, oh, I'm going to do a gig, and then realised that actually people who were just fans of Ted Lasso had come along, <laughs> and obviously they they were not getting what they were expecting, <laughs> <laughs> which I quite I quietly enjoyed, um, yes. but yeah. So do I. Do you know, that's the thing about surprising people. Oh, can we just have just another little bit of Mr. Swallow? And then we'll leave. We'll, we'll talk about Mr. Swallow, but he doesn't need to, to sing again. But okay. it's just. Well, I'll tell So Mr. Swallow was basically based on a teacher. Um, it is my old English teacher. Um, and she, I'm not named who she is because I don't want to cause any offence. And if I'm honest, I think she's passed away. Anyway, <laughs> that's a little bit not. of Mr. Swallow, but that is true. <laughs> so... Um, it's an homage now, um, but yeah. No, you see, no, I shouldn't have laughed at that bit, and I laughed at that bit. I'm very sorry that she is no longer here. Um, I, she was incredibly inspirational. I mean, let it be said, this this English teacher was utterly mad, as well as in she, you know, she was, uh, you know, she was everything kind of Mister Swallow is. I mean, obviously, I've exaggerated certain elements, but but you know, she was using her, I guess, her. A position as a teacher was basically a platform to just spout views about anything and everything. I mean, she used it as a as this huge yeah platform to spout views on capital punishment, on race, on. I mean, she ha- and she had really extreme views on lots of things. And if you dared to disagree with her, she would she would take it really personally, and she would absolutely sort of jump down your throat. Um, and I remember, and she just loved the sound of her own voice. I mean, I kind of adored her as well as found it really funny because I remember we did Merchant of Venice was it Merchant of Venice or Midsummer Stream one of the Shakespeare plays at G- for GCSE or in year nine and she said um and she would sort of bury her head in the book and, and the idea was that she would allow different you know pupils to sort of read the different parts but she would never look up from the book so she'd be like right who wants to play Bassanio I'll do that then who wants to play um uh, you know uh, Solario I'll do that then she never looked up so she ended up playing all the parts in Merchant of Venice but in that with but with that voice and so and so we could never really follow it or understand what was going on because she was playing Portia and every you know everyone in it basically Shylock you know she's doing everyone um but yeah uh, an inspiration and um you know a, a great person did you pass your GCSE? Well, she left when we were in year 10, I think, halfway through year 10. And then we got a great guy called Mr. Watson. So I did. Yeah, I did pass. But um, yeah, by that point, and it wasn't just me. It was every, like loads of my mates do an impression of of this. I was about to say the name then, but I went, uh, of, of this teacher. And so they know who Mr. Swallow is and that, you know, they like that it's sort of taken on a life of its own now. Oh, on that's telly so and stuff. brilliant. Isn't it funny how teachers, there are some teachers, I remember when I was at uh, Guildford um, uh, doing the acting course and one of our uh, vocal uh, coaches, um, again, will remain nameless, but she used to turn up with her dog that would run around the stage and a (laughs) a fag in her mouth. And that she'd be like, and and her accent, she had a deep Scottish accent. She went, now breathe in (laughs) and out while she had a cigarette in her hand. Wow. Can you imagine if just imagine if that went on today? I mean, like it's mad. But I love I love all that. I love you know I love all the characters that you kind of meet as you're growing up and how 
they can be very informative. And in this case, you know, you know, I kind of owe my career to her, really. <laughs> but was it Mr. Swallow then that you did? Because you were you were working. So you were yeah. temping in the day and you were gigging at night yeah. after yeah. footlights and everything and Edinburgh. But was that was that as Mr. Swallow? Um, uh, it, uh, that was part of it. So I would do, I would do kind of various characters. I mean, I call them characters. A lot of them were just sort of me trying out different accents. But 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 Mr. Swallow was definitely the one that was getting, I guess, the the better reaction when I was sort of starting out. And then way back in, it must have been 2010. That was the first time I decided I'd been going up to Edinburgh for a, two or three years with solo shows. But I decided that I would do a, a whole hour of Mr. Swallow because. Prior to then, Mr. Swallow had like taken maybe like the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of the shows when I've been doing multi-character stuff. But it had always kind of, I guess, gone down the best. So I thought, oh, let's just try and see if I can last a whole hour as Mr. Swallow. And to be fair, I think it was quite a challenge for the audience to sit through an hour of some of the early Mr. Swallow stuff because I was effectively having to get, you know, just like launching in a like a verbal attack on them sort of throughout um, but um, uh, so, yeah, Mr. Swallow was sort of part of that, but it didn't become now pretty much the only thing I do live is is, is if I'm on stage, I'm always as Mr. Swallow. So it's abs- it absolutely took over from like 2014 onwards. I sort of sort of effectively stopped doing multi- like multi-character stuff and just focused on Mr. Swallow. So what would Mr. Swallow have said at the Emmy Awards? <laughs> I think... What do you mean? If if he was just well, there? Yeah, can you no no the idea that Mr. Swallow as a character was watching you at the Emmys up for an yeah. Emmy for Ted Lasso. I just just my head was doing all sorts of things while I was listening to you singing. I thought, can you imagine what he would have said to to you in the cast <laughs> at the Emmys? I think he 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 would have been like, so what are you all doing? I mean. I just he wouldn't. I don't think he would have got it. I think like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Um, I think he would have loved seeing Kate Winslet win uh, for Mary of Easttown, but maybe thought that she would have passed away by now on the Titanic. You know, he just would have made loads of mistakes about the kind of the format and the process. But um, but yeah. Uh, so you know, huge Mr. Swallow fan. And actually, I remember when I got nominated, some friends had said, "Okay." If you win, and oh, there was no chance I was going to win, but they were like, if you win, you've got to accept it as Mr. Swallow. And I was like, I can't do that. It's literally, this is the first time I was in America. They would have had no idea what was going on. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh, we will. Obviously, we're going to talk about Ted Lasso. But, we, but also, um, you are wonderful. So I'm very lucky to have oh. uh, interviewed you before. And what yeah. you do, you have that very rare thing of making someone smile. Now, I have got... So I have a pen and paper and I make notes before I interview somebody. I just sort of, mm-hmm. sort of mental notes of things I want to talk about. And I have, I, I'm going to put this photo out. I'm going to send it to you somehow. Oh, no. I, I'll get your number afterwards. Because <laughs> yeah. I did a doodle of while I was me. watching. And I've realized, you know what it is? It's this huge smiley face with big mm. eyes. And that's what <laughs> you do. You just... When I knew I was interviewing you the first time on Virgin, I honestly, for the whole week, I was going, oh, my God. It's, oh, it's Gabby, neat. don't be he, silly. No, 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 because you you, you do like to spread joy. And because I'm a huge fan of intelligence. See, I'm laughing at the thought of it. Intelligence <laughs> with you it's and David silly. with the swimmer. Yeah. It's just, it's so silly, but it's my sense of humour. It's like, it's like you rung me up and said, Gabby, 
You know the things that you laugh at? Can I write that and put it out on telly just for you? Because that's how it feels. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Listen, oh, thanks, Gabby. Honestly, that, that, that you know, that does mean a lot. It's I think, daft. Um, it's fabulous. It's really daft. daft. I've, always, I've always loved that. I mean, and, and I mean, you know, and it's probably very evident that, you know, ever since I was a kid, because some of the sense of humour is quite childish. It's the same with Mr. Swallow. Some of that's quite childish. But yeah, I mean, with intelligence, I, I you know, I effectively wanted to write like a live action cartoon. You know, I wanted it to be sort of slapstick and silly and full of oddball characters and not, I, there was a slight feeling as well that, you know, there'd been a real trend within comedy and and don't get me wrong, I love a lot of these shows, but to tend towards comedy drama. And, you know, I think Ted Lasso falls into that bracket. You know, it can deliver emotionally and can I put out quite a powerful sort of thematic message and and at, at the same time as sort of having jokes in it. But I just, I, I felt that the market was a little sort of saturated with, you know, quite meaningful comedies. And I, I just wanted to do something that was absolutely, utterly daft and that it just unashamedly put comedy first and didn't try to sort of do anything but be very silly and uh, and and cheeky and um you know we weren't afraid of pratfalls and falling off desks and things like that I see that's why it was joyous it, it reminded me of old comedies now I know that you're a fan mm. of dad's army and some mothers mm. do have them and those sort yeah of things. French but and it, Saunders and it, yeah it was one it intelligence is wonderfully innocent and and I can sit down with my fourteen-year-old. Uh, I can sit down with my dad, and we were all—we've all got the same sense of humour. Um, yeah. Just properly laugh, and that—that's something. Uh, how did you know to, to tickle people's funny bones? I don't know. I don't know if you do know necessarily. I think you just have to try, and you know, even ever since I was sort of, you know, in the sort of school playground and sort of doing sort of silly magic tricks and things like that you know you just I, I mean I guess ultimately it's because deep down I'm some kind of attention seeker and I just enjoy it you know I get great pleasure in you know having a laugh and you know the the best thing you can do is sit down with you know friends family you know just have a really good laugh or when and when something really tickles you there's no there's no other feeling like it it's you know it's such a cliche to say you know laughter is the best medicine but it really does I mean it it really makes a difference and nothing beats that feeling when you've just shared a great joke or moment or something has just set you off and that feeling you get afterwards it's just I mean there's there's probably a a proper scientific thing that I don't know that it releases something in your brain or something that is just just magical and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing and I've always enjoyed it but it's very different when you know when you suddenly well not suddenly because I guess my career is sort of been quite a slow burn but you you know you're you're writing stuff that you you know, even when I was starting out live, you write stuff and you hope that it's funny because it makes you laugh. Otherwise, you wouldn't write it down on the page. But, you know, the true test is then taking it out and hoping that you can communicate it well enough such that, you know, an audience then gets it and you're sort of sharing that moment between them because it sort of doesn't exist really without an audience does comedy. And so um, I think, you, you know, you're always learning. And I mean, one one thing, and it's nice to hear that you can, you said that you can sit down with your whole family to watch shows like Intelligence and, you know, there's there's lots of shows that you can do Lasso. that with. Uh, yeah, and Ted Lasso. I mean, there's quite a lot of foul language in Ted Lasso, actually, oh, and in uh, Intelligence, yeah. to be fair. But, yeah, no, <laughs> but, but I tell but you all... what, my daughter's learned all of her language from Great. Uh, your shows. So thank you for oh, that good. as well. <laughs> yeah, apologies. <laughs> but, um, but I remember even with doing the Mr. Swallow, like the later Mr. Swallow live stuff, um, we, you know, you could see that the audience was a mixture of 
kind of sort of seven-year-olds up to 70-year-olds. And it was really interesting that, you know, a lot of it would translate to, to, to you know, to all of them. And, you know, I mean, there'd be bits that certain ages might laugh at and, and some ages it might kind of skip over their heads or something. But on the whole, it was nice. And But again, I've always loved that. I've loved watching mainstream comedies and, you know, sitting down with the family and watching them together. And, you know, I remember watching stuff when I was growing up, like, you know, the repeats of Dad's Army and Faulty Towers, but then later like Vicar of Dibley, French and Saunders, absolutely fabulous. And we're just, you know, just l- absolutely loving it. And um, and I guess at the heart of it, there's there's some sort of great sort of silliness. They don't sort of take themselves too seriously, but they're just brilliant comedies and sort of for everyone, really. Do you sit down now and watch comedies with your kids? Or do you let your kids watch your comedies? They, yeah, they do watch some. I mean, they're still little. They're only six and four. So they've not really watched Ted Lasso as such, but they've seen they've seen bits of intelligence and they've seen they've seen all the Mr. Swallow stuff pretty much. Um uh and they like you know, they'll they know the Jurassic Park song, which is quite sort of sweet <laughs> and uh strange, I guess. Um and uh and actually because I'm thinking of maybe doing a new live Mr. Swallow thing, which we might possibly go to Edinburgh with and go with the family. And that'll be the first time I think they'll be able to sort of sit through an hour of Mr. Swallow. I think they're at the right ages to kind of properly enjoy it. Um, But yeah, no, I love it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We have to obviously talk about uh, David. Uh, mm. um, I, so... Uh, your lovely story about how you met him. I just and I couldn't say this on the radio, but um, in the late nineties, uh, the very first show that the three guys from Friends did outside yeah. of America was a show that we made called Friends with Gabby. And I had the three guys, ah. and I had they were secretly ensconced in a hotel in London, and they had right. code names because they were. It was massive. Oh, wow. It was the big height. Oh yeah, of in the nineties. Yeah. And I remember telling a couple of friends of mine, and they're going, "Yeah, yeah, what you, you you're going out to eat supper with? Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah." And they just wow. swore, swore at me. And I'd go into this hotel. I had to give the secret name, and then we'd be sitting there, and then we'd they recorded the next day. And I remember at the end of the recording, I mean, I have to say, I adored each of them for their own. Yes, they they each had something. I've kept yeah. in touch with one of them, and um. But David was the most serious. And I mean that, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. He was very, yeah, he, yeah. he wanted to make sure that the others were okay. He wanted, he was the grown up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, th- is and that still is like still, that? still true. He is so, in, in like you say, in such a brilliant way, he is so serious about 
comedy. He's serious about things being done professionally and he's serious about it being collaborative and sharing and whilst himself being an incredibly generous performer. And, you know, it goes without saying, impeccably funny, like the, the best comedy bones ever and particularly doing physical stuff as well. I mean, he's just, and you watch Friends and, you know, we tried to, you know, try and include as much physical stuff and intelligence as we could just because we knew how much of a physical performer is, he was and is. But re-watching some Friends stuff, even now you just think, God, he's funny, he's so funny and he just gets it, but such a caring guy. And we watched we watched a Friends reunion, um, my wife and I, and we watched it not when it first went out, I think we watched it like a few months later and it was so nostalgic and just so brilliant. But you could see, and I, you know, I'd spoken to David about that personally before, you know, both sort of before and after he'd filmed it. And um, it was just so, you could just see how supportive he was of all of those you know, all, 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 all five of them, I think, relied on him in different ways in yes. terms of, you know, just kind of the sort of spirit of collaboration and sort of checking in on all their mental health. And, you know, he's just such a solid and, and brilliant guy. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm so grateful for getting to work with him. You know, one of my first sort of big TV jobs, really, you know, and to get to work alongside him has been incredible. Watching us, I, I was lucky enough because we went, obviously, when we were sorting it all out, we went actually onto the set of Friends. Yeah. I and mean, I still, I can't quite believe wow. that happened. It was really weird. We'd, so we, we met them, we were talking to them all day while they were re rehearsing. And then we watched the show going out from the side. And, um, wow. but he was, he, it was, he was fine tuning everything. And when we recorded yeah. our show, he was saying, right, can we do this here? Do you think that's going to work? How about this? You know, he was, it was yeah. so careful. Yeah. And I love the idea. So, so share with everybody how, how, you two ended up working together. Yeah, well, so uh, Julia Davis and I, who's a good friend and obviously a brilliant, brilliant comedian actor um, in her own right, she uh, had had this idea of doing like a morning... Well, actually, earlier on, we, we had... Her and Mark Wooten were working on something and I'd been brought in to do some like improv stuff with them. And that, I mean, that was years ago. Uh, and then... Then in like 2014, she had this idea of doing like a spoof of a morning television show. And um, yeah, we ended up co-writing this pilot for Channel 4 where we played, I guess, these slightly kind of rivaling uh, morning TV sort of hosts. But it really sort of centered around the idea of a, uh, a woman in the media of a certain age basically going through a massive midlife crisis and it being made suddenly very public um, uh, in the media. You know, it's very kind of relevant sort of to today to be honest but um mm -hmm. but it sadly didn't it didn't it didn't ultimately get picked up by channel 4 in the end but as part of that process david david had ended up seeing the pilot i think we had sony studios lined up as a possible financier in the states and i think david was working alongside them and they just sort of showed him some of the stuff that they were had on their slate and um he just he really liked it and i just got i remember getting a call from the producer um saying, oh, um, David Schwimmer has seen the pilot, really likes it and would love to talk to you and, and Julia ab about it. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, he's going to phone you at like seven o'clock. I'm like, okay. And it was <laughs> obviously ridiculously surreal. And I remember, I think we just had Finn. Finn had just been born and my wife was like next door with Finn. And I remember like just at the end of the conversation, just as David was about to sign off, just sort of like bending the phone around towards her ear so she could hear that it was definitely <laughs> him. So but yeah, so, so we, uh, long story short is, David came over and did some workshops with Julia and I um, uh, 
you know, I don't know how he might have been involved in that show, maybe as a director or as another sort of one of the other, like a showrunner of that show or something like that. But in the end, it didn't get picked up. But David and I had, you know, hit it off. And he'd, he'd always said, oh, listen, if you ever have an idea where you think it could justify an American kind of, you know, being in a, a British sitcom, then, you know, do let me know. And it was about two years later, actually, if not a bit more, two, three years later, that I had a script commission from Expectation who make the show. And I wanted to do this sitcom, workplace sitcom set in GCHQ because I love the idea of a sort of bunch of oddballs, but who had this sort of massive, you know, this huge backdrop of national security. So even though they couldn't really function sort of socially and it was very silly, they still had this sort of huge stakes in their world. And then I thought, oh, well, it'd be fun if, you know, an American from the NSA came over to work alongside this quite quintessentially British team. And, you know, there's this big culture clash in the way that the NSA work and the way GCHQ work. Um, and yeah, and obviously it was like, oh, surely David. And so I sent him maybe even just the outline, not even a, a script, I think. That's a... So did you just, what, did you text him? Did you WhatsApp? I mean, Yeah, I, I think I did. I think I, I, think I, I, I had his agency email as well because we'd been, I think, like I had that through when we were working on Morning Is Broken stuff. And so I, but I had his number. So I texted him and said, look, I'm going to send your, I, I'm going to send your agent a treatment. Um, but just, you know, it's this and just let me know what you think of it. But no pressure, you know, just, and he just got back like kind of the next day and said, yeah, great. When should we shoot it? And I was <gasps> like, oh, well, it hasn't even been commissioned. <laughs> like, into, and then fortunately, you know, he was then attached and um, I wrote the pilot um, and, uh, yes, yeah, Sky, you know, picked it up and then, yeah, then, yeah, we, then we went for it and made two series and hopefully we get to do some more, uh, you this are doing year. More, so, aren't yeah. you? Or is that, is, is that a secret? It's, it, it, possibly a secret, but I think we're all hoping we all get to do some more this year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've just broken the secret, but I just thought that, I think last time I, I bullied you and you had to say oh, I yes, think it's all fine all that stuff's fine isn't it yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna you know yeah. it ended on it ended on the biggest cliffhanger did season two so I think uh you know we gotta yeah, you can't not gotta, we can't just it. end on that yeah no yeah. you you have to do more and yeah. I just but it I might be it. but it might be but it might be something a little different than what people are expecting but yeah but that's all I'll say but yeah hopefully there'll be more oh now no you Scott you you now you've done <laughs> that you you don't expect yeah. me to just leave that <laughs> <laughs> well, I am going to leave it. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, uh, okay. Let's. All right, we'll leave it because I'm now uh, everything's <laughs> Sorry, in my girl. head. Let's go to Let's go to Ted Lasso. Um, yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I, I remember. So Hannah is a very very the goddess. She is a goddess. Yes. That's what I always call her. I always have done. She I've is. known her for a hundred years. And, I was going to um, say, do you and Hannah know each other? Yeah. It yeah. Strikes me as you, you two are very similar. In you are both goddesses but listen oh, she is you. a goddess and she is fantastic yeah hannah contacted me and said uh, she was saying oh ted lasso's about to go on air and i had brett who is now impossible to get hold of but brett got in of touch course. with me he yeah. did so a year earlier he'd done another show and he contacted me and said hey gabby can i come on your radio show yeah then i got hey gabby uh there's a show called ted lasso um can i come on radio show so i had yeah. hannah and and Brett, come on. And then Brett said, will you come on my podcast? All that. Yeah. I mean, now, uh, it, it's the... Megastars. Absolutely megastars, But all of they? you, Ted Lasso <laughs> uh, is is a phenomenon that we, we... So we miss it. I have to... I know that sounds really corny. Where intelligence <laughs> makes me 
just fall about laughing. Ted Lasso mm-hmm. uh, plays on my heartstrings, and yeah. I miss it. I miss Ted. I miss all of you. Uh, on it's the so telly. it's so wonderfully written that show, and I and I genuinely don't know. Uh, you know, coming at it as a, as a writer, you know, I obviously didn't write on that show, but I do not know how they managed to walk this tightrope of being able to deliver equally on laughs and emotion and drama as as, as that show does, because it really is triple threat in that respect. And often you'll find that, you know, the co- something will dominate or, or will undermine the other. And, and so you kind of get a bit of a mishmash of a show, but it just walks this incredibly fine line. And it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that show's just changed my life, really, you know, in all kinds of ways. I just think it's such a wonderful, you know, the spirit of the show, the kind of the message behind it. You know, the people who've got in contact off the back of watching that show saying that it has, in a really positive way, affected their mental health, you know, and 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 allowed them to talk about things that they wouldn't usually talk about. And, you know, they they took a lot of comfort that, you know, it came out during lockdown, which I think, you know, mm. is, is at least not the sole reason for the show's success, but I think people discovering it at a time when they were particularly receptive to some of the messages, the positive and hopeful and optimistic messages in the show. Um, you know, de- definitely, you know, the, the pandemic plays a, a part in that. But yeah, I mean, it's just taken on a life of its own, that show. And yeah, we're about to go into season three. And um, yeah, I'm really excited and kind of nervous and all, all sorts of feelings. <laughs> it must, but it, it's sort of Ted Lasso, Afterlife, The Crown, I mean, the mm. Downton, I'm putting that, and I know they're all very different shows, but they've become world phenomenons, the shows that the world is talking about. That must, mm. do you not think about, I, I remember speaking to lovely uh, Kerry Godleman about Afterlife, and when I said to her, does it blow your mind? She said, actually, Gabby, can you not say that? Because if I think like that, <laughs> then I can't handle it. Do you, does it feel it a is... bit like that about Ted Lasso? Yeah, and I don't think of as in we we kind of all almost kind of have a a pact that we don't really think about it that much, and that comes from the top really. I remember when Jace when we were started filming season two, and particularly in the UK, I think season one some people had discovered it, but you know Apple you, Apple TV wasn't really as ubiquitous as I mean it's I think it's a lot more commonplace now, and it's certainly commonplace in the states, and it was already kind of a hit in the states, but I think the UK was quite slow to catch up, and I remember. Um, when the first sort of load of, I guess a year ago, the first sort of load of awards sort of noise started kind of coming towards the show. And I think Jason had either won the Golden Globe or Screen Actor. He'd won something. And 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 the next day on set, you know, everyone was like giving him round applause. He's like, oh, no, 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 we just, we've got work to do. Come on, let's just, and you know, there's this, there's a real kind of humility and sort of humble quality to, to him and Bill Lawrence, you know, all the, those kind of great kind of creators that, you know, brilliant shows and they just, you know, they like creating good work and they're just genuinely touched that it has, you know, translated to so many people, you know, across the world. And um, they're just really grateful for that. And it, it does mean that there is suddenly pressure on the show when you sort of think about the amount of people watching it or the uh, the, the scope at which, you know, it, it sort of, it, it sort of, it is now. Um, but uh, I guess that that pressure is kind of a, a privilege in a way because we're just very fortunate that those castings worked out of, and particularly speaking for me and for Brett and Hannah, you know, um, we're just so lucky that that all worked out and we get to be in this wonderful show with wonderful people. And it's a show we can genuinely be proud of because it has got such a a strong, positive message. You know, it is, I, I, I think, I hope that it'll endure that show, you know, however many seasons it ends up being. But um 
I think it's, you know, it's one of the good ones and we just feel very, very lucky to be a part of it. But, but no, I think it's important to not dwell on how popular it is because <laughs> it's sort of, and you know, you get a flavour of it through social media. And, you know, I went, I was filming in, in the States uh, when the sort of season was, season two was coming to an end. And I was, I was out in sort of, you know, the middle of the desert, really. I was in New Mexico in Albuquerque filming and, um, and it was weird. I kind of couldn't go out without being recognised. And it was just odd because I was just like, I I'm, I'm literally feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, but people have seen this show and want to talk about it and, you know, want pictures. And I've, I've never really had that, you know, even in the, at the height of intelligence going out, you know, I've never had that. And partly because I stay quite private, but it's just, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's an uh, absolute phenomenon, really. It's mad. So, so, but you got, you got a bit of abuse and I, not you, but Nate, because Nate turned, yeah. but that's how brilliant the writing is and your acting, of course, yeah. they go hand in hand, but, <laughs> and I remember. Well, no, I think the right to be, the writing is what leads it, but you're Yeah, well, conscious. okay, no, hand in hand, hand in hand, but, but I re, I've seen uh, Jason talking about that as well and saying that the reaction was extraordinary. It was like, Nate, God, yeah. what, what? Because mm. Nate, everybody fell in love with and then Nate suddenly turned. Nate yeah. was not very nice. And it's, and what, and the reason why I just talk about the writing, you know, really highlight the writing is that they, they, that was, it was so planned, you know, right from the off, they were like, Oh, you knew, we did had, you? We, we, oh, I knew, oh yeah, I knew from, yeah, from before even seasons two and three had been uh, picked up you know, before it, we were making like episode three of season one and Jason sat down and said, okay, so this is the story, this sort of three season arc effectively. And, you know, we absolutely need to fall in love with him in season one. And then by season two, we need to hate him. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, they absolutely stayed true to their word as writers. And I feel, I felt that, you know, the, like you're saying on social media, there was a a lot of Nate hate and uh, and you know there's been some stories saying that I got personally that I was kind of like you know got got some kind of hate and I didn't at all I didn't absolutely everyone I got uh, who who was on Twitter you know always respected the fact that it was an acting job well, but they hope so. absolutely but but couldn't step but then you hear those horror stories don't you, of people not quite uh, seeing the difference yeah, between an actor and the character but but um they, you know, they, yeah, they absolutely detested where Nate had gone. And, and I, I just responded by saying, well, that, that's correct. You know, you should be feeling that because what he has done is absolutely scandalous. And he's absolutely biting the hand that feeds him. And, you know, he's turned on the person who sort of managed to sort of break him out of that sort of shell, really. So, you know, it's, we're in the middle of his journey. I, I don't know for definite where it's all heading. I know yes, you do. You just said, <laughs> yes, you do. Sorry, you can't lie no, you like caught, that. You caught me out. You caught yes. me out. I haven't, done, I haven't done an interview in a long time. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't want I to forget. know. It's not no, like okay. I'm going to ask you. With intelligence, I was intrigued. With, with this, because I'm so invested, as a family, yeah. we're so invested in Ted Lasso, that, that I don't want to know. I'm just going to wait to, to lap it up. And also, yeah. in fact, while we're speaking, Hannah is on the aeroplane. But yesterday I spoke to Hannah and... Um, she told me a wonderful story. Charles, she, she told me, because I, I said, can you please tell me something um, uh, about lovely Nick and on set? Yeah. And she yeah. left me a voice note that I won't play because there's a whole message to me. But, uh, but then on it, so she said, I have to just remind you of Rebecca's, uh, the, f the funeral. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
She said you yeah. can't look at each other in the eye and you completely and utterly lost it. No, I, I find, I don't know what it is, but there's a sort of a sparkle in, it, you kind of have it with certain actors. It's like a, definitely a sparkle in Hannah's eye. Yes. I think um, Jeremy, who plays Higgins, he's got it as well, where you can, ju you can just sort of see this sort of almost like, like almost like a raised eyebrow, but in the eye, like you can see that they're kind of twinkling <laughs> underneath and it just sets me off. And I, I just love trying to sort of prod and provoke and try and sort of just sort of switch things up a little bit um, by you know, just, just trying to make them laugh basically. It's quite unprofessional, but, um, but Hannah is really, really receptive to it. And, um, but it did get to the point in that scene where, you know, we're genuinely obviously meant to be upset and I'm meant to be offering condolences because it's her dad's funeral. Um, but we couldn't, we, we actually physically couldn't look each other in the eye to do the scene. So I was like looking just off, like just to the left of her eye line. <laughs> but then that was, that was making her laugh more because then I was, I, was, I was still speaking to her, but just not really looking at her. <laughs> and she found that just, it just looked even weirder and made her laugh. So yeah, she's a, you know, yeah, she's a one, um, but you know, I, I mean, I feel like I get it in the firing line because often I had, well, particularly in season one, had a lot of scenes with Jason and Brendan who played Ted and Coach Beard. And, and uh, you know, they, they go back as in the Jason and Brendan go back, you know, forever. And, you know, from like their old improv days and they're so, you know, they can just bounce off each other. And because they're the creators and writers of the show, they'll just change the ends of scenes without telling me and they'll just throw in extra things and I'll just get caught in this firing line and usually end the scene by bursting out laughing and not being <laughs> able to handle it. So yeah, so you know, I'm I'm not the only guilty one, but yeah, <laughs> it was good to hear that Anna remembers that. I will I will um, send you the recording because she absolutely loses it on the a voice note saying that you couldn't, you, you had to say something about training wheels coming off a bike and she was doing oh, an yeah, impression. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what is it? I, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to sort of say this really serious quote, like fathers are the training wheels of the bike of something. And then I sort of fizzle out. I can't remember it word for word. But yeah, it was, I remember it was, it was a funny day that day. <laughs> so that's, that's a joy. What a joy to be able to go to work and feel like that. You're, so you're, I know, your parents, very lucky. solicitor and GP, and then suddenly mm. this Emmy nominated son, <laughs> just, and as you say, you're filming, was that the Maggie Moore film? that you were filming it was yeah it was yeah Desert. yeah yeah with yeah it was Faye. um i mean please with tina fey and john slattery yeah i mean uh, and john ham and john slattery was directing it which is a dream absolute dream i mean you know i love all of them and yeah i don't know how that came about it was just sort of yeah it was really weird i remember getting sent the script and they're like oh they're really interested in you for this part and i was like do i have to audition and they're like well maybe just have a meeting with the director but i didn't have to do any of the lines <laughs> and i just chatted to john slattery for about half an hour and we just chatted about we didn't really chat about the film. We just sort of chatted about nice stuff. And um, and then a few weeks later, they're like, oh yeah, no, he, they've offered it to you. And I was like, what? <gasps> uh, so it was kind of, yeah, that was mad. And then I just went to the desert for six weeks and um, kind of desperately missed the family. So it's sort of a mixed, sort of a mixed emotions for me. But the work, I was really proud of, you know, it's un unlike anything I'd done before. It was of course sort of tarnished by the absolute tragedy of, um, the rust shooting that that happened you know only miles up the road uh, it was a different film to what we were doing but um some of our crew oh my god uh, knew the crew on that and so it was just you know it's a sort of a, a not a very nice time to you know be, be in the thick of all that and you know there was certainly an atmosphere of crikey this is this is dreadful and so deeply tragic but yeah um other than that sorry what an extraordinary the, the time down. so you're stuck in the desert mm. you're missing your family mm. you're working with john mm. ham and tina fey people yeah. are stopping you in the street because you're nate and this awful thing's happening 
I know it's literally the season finale of um, Ted Lasso. Right? It's a, a real mixed bag of things kind of going on. But um, you know, I don't want to sort of you know take any. <laughs> No, but but that's what I mean. Going back to you know, your solicitor dad and GP mm. mom, and then then a few years later, I mean, you say you were, they were doing Edinburgh. I mean, you went off yeah. to Durham. You went, you joined the Footlights. You did all of those things, and then wow, you're in the middle of the desert, and people are wanting you. It it isn't it wonderful what what life can do. <laughs> It's a strange old thing. And like the, the best thing, like my mum and dad have always been really supportive. And it was definitely, you know, a, a bit of a big deal when I decided to, because I was doing a, a PhD at Cambridge and I decided to quit or, or to, and like I, I still did an MPhil, but I decided to just not do the full kind of three year thing. And, um, and I said, oh, I think I'm going to have a go at doing comedy, which, you know, and they were like, you're going to do what? <laughs> In the, but they were still very supportive of it. But they were naturally, as I think any parent would be, um, you know, a bit like, OK, OK, well, you know, you, you see how that works out. Because, you know, there was absolutely no guarantee and there wasn't any guarantees and you know, as, as soon as I moved to London, I had to very much get a normal job. I was gigging in the evening and in the summers doing Edinburgh, the festival, but I wasn't really earning a living from it. And it was, it was a number of years, you know, five, six years before I turned professional. And, you know, it was not really until sort of 2012, I guess, that I sort of kind of count myself as doing this for a living. And, um, you know, so I don't mean you know, doing it 10 years now. So now it feels a little bit more... Um, Normal, but the be- the best thing about my mum and dad is that they do not, and and rightly so, they do not sort of treat any of that sort of glitzy stuff any different. They they will treat everyone the same. They're not kind of sort of starstruck in any kind of way. They're not kind of they don't really, you know. I could be, you know, I was really fortunate and so lucky and grateful to sort of go to the Emmys, but I could have just sort of been going, you know to Wagamama and that's not to like kind of like do Wagamama or anything but no, they were just like they, they were just like oh yeah right how was it or what was the food like oh okay right okay see you later but you know they'll it's it's all very oh and what they've been up to and gone to church and this person says hi and you know it's it, they do not it's great it's really good because and, and it's same with my wife actually my wife's a music teacher not part of you know acting or anything like that so we can just talk about completely different things and share these sort of weird and wonderful stories from each of our lives without it being, you know, no one's blowing hot air up my bum. <laughs> Basically, no, if anything, so they're blowing very, very cold air. No, but that's that's, <laughs> that's properly not. No, but it's it's that's normal. I've I've always said I'm very lucky because my best friend, who's been my best friend since we were sixteen, she's never said, "Oh, who did you interview? Who did you meet? Oh, where did yeah, you film?" Yeah. She always just says, "How's yeah. work." It's. I go. Yeah. No. Work was great today. Thank you. It's, oh yeah. Um, it's that. Likewise. Likewise. They and like that. You know. Just occasionally, they're like, ooh, this person said this because they bought this, and you know, or they saw you had a DVD or something. You're on a DVD extra or something. And um and and that's always like a nice little a nice little thing to kind of get like nice little nugget. But yeah, on the whole, it's just very very straightforward. You know, even when I was in in New Mexico, it was just like, oh, so what's the food like? Are you going to meet up oh, with any of your relatives? And I was like, well, they're in Canada and I'm in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's all, all good though. Now, do, magic is the other thing, which is such a mm. huge part of your life. Uh, so I was watching um, you doing magic because you were talking mm. about your book online, The Young Magicians and the mm. Thieves Almanac. And you did a three card trick. Oh, with- yeah blue and red and I don't know how you did it 
I Aww. watched it again and again and again. I called my youngest and um, I said, because she loves magic. I said, watch yeah. this. And she said, oh, I know how it's done. And then she told me, and I said, no, that's not how it's done. She went, actually, I don't think that is right. Magic. <laughs> oh, wow. That's no, nice but here's you. the thing about magic. We all want to guess how it's done, but nobody really wants to know. Yeah, that's that's a sweet spot, isn't it? That's that's that when magic is good. Like you know, there's plenty of quite naff magic out there, which is sort of almost like a a puzzle that is almost waiting to be solved and inevitably solved because there can be no other way. But I think good magic, you know, I, and I'm not talking about that three card. That's great if you're fooled by that three card trick. Oh, but, I love it. You know, I mean, like proper kind of good magic you know when you're seeing it especially when you're seeing it live when you're like i just don't know how you just buy into that um suspension of disbelief because we know there must be a method there must be a method because you know real magic doesn't exist or so 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 we say <laughs> but um uh it yeah does I love exist. It. I, it does exist it does exist it does exist but i've Remember always loved the magic that. circle or whatever but so you you of course it exists <laughs> but i but i again it goes back to sort of childhood and sort of making people laugh I've always loved that that feeling of not knowing how something works and you know being able to sort of fool you know fool people but with magic and sort of sharing that kind of moment of astonishment or amazement you know when a trick reaches its conclusion you know I love that feeling and I still love it you know both performing it which I do less now that kind of acting and comedy has taken over but um but I still you know I'm still always reading about magic and I love going to watch it and, and, and see performances and you know I just yeah I adore it I will carry on doing your magic um uh, so I just we always ask people about what makes them belly laugh but I'd like to slightly switch this for you mm. because when was the last time you completely you know when you laugh cry when you probably oh, lost it probably like only like probably a few nights ago like when my because my my wife makes me laugh the most and it's often like quite late at night like we've quite tired you know after you know the kids have gone down and we've eaten and then we've maybe watched a bit of telly and we chatted and then kind of we'll kind of go go to bed and then this isn't going to be like a dodgy story by the way I just sort of realized it sounds like <laughs> I, was, this, I was keeping quiet this, I was thinking oh where's she going the setup for something and she'll just do that she just does this thing she'll find this really funny now that I'm broadcasting this but um she does this thing where she will kind of go to the side of like my side of the bed like pretend that she's sort of like getting really kind of cozy but sort of just nudging ever so like inch by inch kind of closer to my side of the bed and I'm like often like just sort of just reading or something but to the point where she kind of just gets so close that I'm basically being pushed out of the bed and I know that she's sort of doing it and she just finds it so funny because it really riles me up and I often get because I'm quite tired just delirious with like I just don't like why we're still doing this and even thinking about it now making me laugh. But yeah, I, I often kind of cry laugh at that because it is just utterly bonkers. And at the worst point of the day to be kind of trying to expel that much energy and like that. I mean, it usually makes me, I just fall asleep instantly after that because I'm so tired from <laughs> cry laughing or whatever. You know, but that, yeah. Many other couples might do something else to make themselves fall away instantly uh, at that time of night. <laughs> but I love that your wife is trying to push you out of bed. It makes you laugh so much that you fall instantly asleep. <laughs> Nick, in every single way, you've just made my week. You really have. You are Aww. such a joy. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks for having me on. 
Thank you so much for listening. Coming up next week, the singer-songwriter Jack Savaretti. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions and music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one of them and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.